taper off the soccer talk. I've gotten some complaints, mainly from you, my wife. Oh, okay. So like, no, none of the other listeners. Uh, I'm sure they love it. Well, how does she feel about golf talk? Golf talk. She's probably like soccer talk more than golf talk. Okay, so good. So like, I played around. I guess it was last weekend. Um, in the previous five rounds, I have not lost a ball. Mm. In the first nine, it was with um, some family <laughs> friends, one of which was a com- my confirmation sponsor, if you recall. Um, I don't want to be outing them on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's true. I can't know? remember who your confirmation sponsor was, though. Whatever. Exactly. They're Irish, and they have a bunch of kids. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, they were up here, uh, and so the boys all went as a family. So there was like 10 of us um, between the family up here, family down there and me um, just as my little, as the 10th wheel, but uh, we all, <laughs> the boys all went and played golf. Um, so I had not lost a ball in five rounds and we paired it up like the oldest and the oldest and then all the way down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, uh, in the first nine holes, I lost six. Oh gosh. Yeah. Like, man, I was talking so much shit about, <laughs> about they're like, you know, cause everybody's like, you know, how are you? You know, we're obviously competing against uh, the other teams. Like, how you doing? Like, how are you on the drives? Like we're playing scramble. So like, uh-huh. I, like you get me on the drives, I'll pick you up in the middle game. Um, and I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty good. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not great. Like, I mean, as of right now, I'm like a 17, 16, 17 handicap. Like, I mean, not terrible, but honestly, pretty damn respectable for how long I've been playing. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty consistent off the tee. Dude, I hooked everything right. Like, (laughs) it was so bad. And honestly, and uh, and then the next, (laughs) and then the back nine didn't lose a single ball. And we ended up beating uh, the team we were playing against with Taylor. We were playing against Taylor. Uh, We uh, beat them by exactly one stroke on the last goal. Yeah, well done. They, they had us plus five on the front nine. Oh gosh. Oh, yeah, gosh. yeah, it was a comeback. But uh, but yeah, so that's been my golf update of this week. I had uh, a similar thing. So we went. Uh, I was go- going Friday with my buddy Ken, and Ken and I played about once a week, every two weeks or so. And uh, he played at my course, and at my course, when you get on the tee sheet, pretty much anybody could see who's on the tee sheet. Um, and he is a, uh, he's a lobbyist. So people know who he is and want stuff from him at different times and all that jazz. Um, so all of a sudden there was three people on our, uh, tea time reservation. Cause it was just the two of us to start, but somebody else put there. Yeah. He said, Hey, I just saw this. This guy wants to talk to me and I owe him one. So he's going to go. I said, that's fine. I don't care. I like when people golf with, you know, with us, I don't care. It wound up being very good for me because one of the guys who were the was joining our group uh, gave me a lot of good uh, business advice because he's already in that. So it was little business guys getting done on the course. You it was love it. it was. Um, but because strangers were with us, and also there's that power dynamic that happens whenever you get around those kind of people too that are looking for fate. You're like, I've got to beat these people and oh, play well. And then immediately you start shanking it. We played terribly. Uh, Ken quit after nine. He was so mad because he was playing so poorly. Oh God, <laughs> it, it was uh, it was terrible. But we'll, we're playing this week, so we'll get some redemption. Yeah. And did I tell you uh, I got some new wedges? 
Nice. Yeah. Um, in typical Davis fashion, they are Costco. Mm. Which is, your boy is swinging them Kirklands. Nice. Of course, ain't ready for the Costco kid. Yeah, better than the Kirkland. Honestly, that's 50 bucks a club. Like, <laughs> and it filled in all the gaps that I had. Like, honestly, big fan. And uh, I assume you don't have a Costco membership, but. Uh, yeah, but, we do. Oh, you do? Yeah. Um, but uh, if you need, I think it's a 52, a 56, and a 60. Check them out, man. Bro, I'm hitting Callaway Jaws. I'm not not going back to Kirkland's. That's right. I forgot you're like <laughs> half good at this and also been doing it for a while. I'm yeah. out here. I'd, honestly, they, well, because they came out with their Gen 2s. Like they took all like the feedback from the previous one. Honestly, they're like surprisingly highly rated. Nice. Like, like they put a Vogue grind on everything. Like they're like, obviously you can get better shit, but you can't get better shit for like... Like, I mean, they're 50 bucks a club. Like, you yeah. you definitely, you're going to be spending 300 before you can even touch it. Yeah. And honestly, it's kind of that thing. It's, you know, the old Davis thing that I keep harping on is, uh, I'm not good enough to know the difference. Yeah, right. Well, it's about, what, a month till I get to get to come see your game in person. Yeah, and it's going to be a big improvement from the last time you saw it. Heck yeah. Yeah, because little... I think I, did I hit, a, did I hit that car whenever <laughs> yeah. we played? Yes, uh, yes. Mm. We played a little th- par three course. And uh, Davis shanked one out into the street and possibly hit a car. They didn't mm-hmm. turn around and come look for us, so that was the good thing. Yeah, but uh, you will be proud though because I'm no longer hitting Kirkland balls. Mm, well, because I wasn't. Well, because I wasn't losing them there for a while, and so yeah. I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm good enough to actually buy nice balls." So, um, yeah, no, uh, I'm hitting uh, Pro V1 Axis. Nice, nice, yeah. nice, nice. Because again, it's like I'm not losing them. I Except hope for you, that round, uh, but I hope Taylor's ready to for our little boys' staycation. He's he will be competitive. Awesome! That man was as not long, happy with that golf result the other day. As long as he's he's around, I've been working on my cornhole as well. Whenever I go to, to clarify not- for our listeners who don't know what cornhole is, um, it is a game. It's actually on ESPN, so technically it's a sport now. The um, yeah, but uh. It's where you throw bag like bean bags at a board with a hole in it, and there's points. Every time I go up to see uh, see Davis and Taylor, cornhole is the most competitive sport that is played between the the participants. Yeah, I mean, with good reason. We do play it a lot. Uh, I also figured out the other day, like, like I'm not an athlete. Like for folks who have not seen me. Which is like, sad because you're six four. I know, right? Like I had so much potential. Um, <laughs> I'm oh, I'm super mad at my parents for not putting a golf club in my hands instead of a, like a soccer ball at my feet. Like, man, I would have been crazy. But uh, but like, I'm not necessarily athletic, but like I'm good at weird shit. Like I am very good at cornhole. Like I'm very good at beersby. I don't know if anybody's ever played beersby, but it's great. Um, but I'm also honestly pretty good at golf for like as long as I've been playing it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's solely because I think I have elite hand eye coordination, maybe not elite, but I'm certainly above average. Like I just pick stuff up like that. Well, yeah. And it's like, you can't, I, I'm going to be garbage on a softball field. I'm going to be garbage on a flag football field. Y- you would like, y- give me a game that you can drink during and I'm going to be good. I'm, I bet you there is some correlation between also shooting guns and hitting a golf ball. 
Maybe. A lot of focus, a lot of of getting set and steady. Maybe. I could see that. Uh, just shooting the shit there. I don't I, I don't know. I just that was my first thought that came to mind on there. Yeah. Well, yeah, but mine went from cornhole uh to golf to beersby. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, again, sports that uh, you can drink. Hey, golf might play. do something for you uh one day. Who knows? It did something for me this last week. It was training for it. Yeah, exactly. Like I've yet to have the thing where I do business on the golf course, but <laughs> you know, we'll get there whenever I start a consulting firm, you know, in 30 years. <laughs> uh well Davis, what have you been doing over the last couple of weeks? Oh, I feel like this is a segue. Um well, oh no, I just figured it out. Well, I've been, you know, piddling around the house, getting it all nice and pretty, painting uh, shutters yeah. and what have you, you know, for for a certain event um, that I I'd been planning for a while. Um, so yeah, you know, dealing with the fallout of that decision as well. The fallout? Yeah, uh, you know, bad term, but the confetti, like all the congratulations. Yeah. Yes. But uh, yeah, uh, listeners, I will reveal to you. Or Colby, would you like to reveal? Your boy is going to get hitched. Yep, I did. I went and did it. He got down on one knee and was still on one knee standing at four foot ten. <laughs> and his, <laughs> luckily, his fiance is a, a giantess as well. Yeah, and I, I say I say fallout just because I actually went into the office today and uh, everyone, like all, all the, uh, you know, you know, like the old men, like the, the little uh, jab they throw at you. Like I've been, oh, yeah. I've been like fencing those all day where it's like, yeah. Hey, did you hear this guy got engaged? Like, was she of sound mind and body? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, is she sure? Is she blind? Like, <laughs> which those are, those are great compared to the ones that are like, uh, that are like, Oh, we'll get ready for the divorce and stuff like that. That that'll come to with some of these old bitter men, but I, I haven't caught that one yet, but uh, yeah, I've uh, generally got, it, it's all like good natured, but it's like, huh, now it really starts like, you know, stuff like that, but just general, like guys being dudes. Yeah. But oh no, yeah, now I'm uh pretty excited. Uh, I certainly was uh, in that moment. And I'm, obviously I'm super ready to marry her. Um, not looking forward to the wedding planning because hmm. prior to this podcast, I was sitting at a table for an hour and a half discussing wedding things. Oh, fuck. and, um, and, um, I don't want to sound like too much of a stereotype. Um, but I don't really care. Like yeah. I care that one, I marry her two that she's happy and three, I can like hang out with some friends afterwards. And that's my list. Yeah. Like, which Good. That, that, I mean, that, that, uh, whenever I got married, that's a lot of what we did. Uh, the problem that we found for our wedding is that, uh, it was not about us. It mm. was about, uh, all of the little old ladies who went to Kaylee's old church and, and, well, we got to do this and we got to do this. And Kaylee and I were like, get us a priest, get us a church. Y'all can come if you want. And past that, we don't care. Yep. I mean, we, we, our ideal, uh, so the parish I grew up in, in Louisville, Mississippi, it fit like 30 people max. Mm -hmm. And we were like, that'll be, I, I was sitting there thinking, 
you know what? We'll have our 30 people. It'll be our immediate families and our best friends. And then we'll go to my grandmother's and have a little meal and, and kick it off. Right. And, uh, Kaylee came, comes from that classic, uh, gigantic Mississippi family Mm -hmm. where if the six cousin twice removed, didn't get an invite, we were never going to hear the end of it. So Kay was like, well, no, we can't do that. we got to have a big one. So then it became a whole, yeah, at that point it becomes a whole ordeal. Yeah. Which is why we are not likely going to do it in this country. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Oh, I'm going to have to start saving up for that. Honestly, probably not. Flight's no. pretty cheap. We we're looking at it earlier. It's like 400 bucks. Oh, nice. Yeah. Sweet. So like, yeah, no, obviously it's going to cost money, but it's like, Honestly, the dollar is very strong. Oh, uh, good. Yeah. Uh, so is like, it in a certain Balkan? Uh, not Balkan. Oh, Mediterranean God, no. country. God no. Uh, Four hundred dollar flight from the U.S. to Greece? No, I don't. I don't know what's happening. No, Mexico. Over there. Mexico. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. No. Oh, oh gosh, that'd be <laughs> crazy. You remember? I mean, you know how much our flights were to Italy, and that was back in 2013. Yeah, but I don't know what's going on in Greece nowadays. I'm. I'm so locked into Mississippi that I can't, I can't think past it, but yeah, no, but dollar strong. Uh, it's going to be cheaper. Also, you know, obviously going to cut down some folks, but, uh, and you know, it'll be fun. Um, they have a, apparently like right near where we're looking, they have like a Jack Nicklaus designed and sponsored golf course. Like they held, they held PGA tour events there. Like, yeah, that's awesome. So like there are options, but yeah, no, at the end of the day, it's like, I really just care about marrying you and like that you are happy with things. So like, it's, you know, you run into that, that little bit where I'm like, I I just, I genuinely don't care about the color themes. Yeah. And it's also, and even to the color themes, it's that, um, I'm colorblind. So, um, I can't help. Yeah. Or my help isn't very good, but I did want to make the point um, because it is something um, that I have to figure out. And so what I figured was, you know, with this new, this event that is coming my way, um, part of one of my tasks um, clearly is not to organize the wedding, but one of them is to um, find out how to get married in the Catholic church. Um, And so what I did was find the easiest solution to me doing that. And it is to tell you that we need to do an episode where you tell me how to get married in the Catholic church. Oh, well, guess what, Davis? No, You'll never believe it. Are you shitting me? Are you Tonight's actually... topic? Yeah. Is the Catholic wedding. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it's almost like I've known you for like <laughs> 17 this years. Is, uh... like, <laughs> oh my God. Well, oh, and that, that was what I was just about to message you because I was like, I was, I was like oh, this is going to be awkward if if for some reason this isn't a Catholic wedding. Uh, no, because- <laughs> no. Just, I just had this discussion with my fiance. I was like, you know what I just thought? I was like, let me just make this easy on myself. I'm just going to tell Colby to research it and tell me how it is, like what I have to do. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is great. Yeah. So so this is uh, the whole purpose of this episode. It's almost a wedding gift. Uh, for you uh, and for your fiance. I mean, that's a good I, way to get out of that. If I had, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm flying out of the country for you. What else do you want from me? Uh, honestly, though, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is uh, the intention for this is one to answer any of your questions along the way, 
and hopefully answer your fiance's questions. And also for any uh, non-Catholics that are coming to also give a guide of here's what's going to happen, because uh, especially when you're growing up in Protestant uh, Baptist country, you're very freaked out by a Catholic wedding because it's not five minutes and all that jazz. So yeah, yeah, that's today's topic. (coughs) Yeah. I love how organic that was. I had no idea about (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Oh, perfect. I so, have so we, many questions, kind of. We can we can start. Um, the The main thing that I've kind of got written out is the the order of the wedding and how okay. that works. But uh, it sounds like we also need to talk about how you kind of like lead up to it as well, right? Yeah, no, I actually might. Yeah, like like procedurally and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, I think I think like for the flow of content. Um, we should probably lead off with like what it entails, like what is a Catholic wedding as opposed to like, you know, what most people are used to. And I'll like organize my thoughts okay. on what we, what my actual questions, if you hear any scratching in the background, it certainly me, isn't me taking notes or anything. <laughs> uh, okay. So a Catholic wedding differs from uh, different, different weddings that you go to a Protestant wedding or just uh, your, your beach wedding or what have you where, um, you know, typically what happens then is maybe a, a Bible verse is read and then the uh, vows are said and a official or a minister says, uh, you know, by the power of the state or whatever, I pronounce you man and wife. Uh, I've been to a few Protestant weddings and I think the longest one lasted 12 minutes. Uh, oh, wow. Because they had somebody singing for the first bit of it, which was hmm. it was very pretty. But um a Catholic wedding is not going to last 12 minutes. The shortest Catholic wedding that I've been to, I think was mine. And I think it lasted 35 minutes or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yours was kind of swift. <clears throat> so uh, when you're looking at a Catholic wedding, ca- oh, Catholic wedding is, it's one of our sacraments. It's the seven sacraments. One of them is uh, matrimony. And this is the ceremony that binds that together where man and woman become one. Uh, so there are three parts that are going to take place in a Catholic wedding. The first is the uh, liturgy, the word. The second is the actual uh, uh, wedding. It's the actual wedding where the marriage takes place. And the third is the liturgy, the Eucharist. Typically for uh, mixed marriages is what the Catholic church calls them. That means a Catholics marrying somebody who is not Catholic. So if it's two Catholics, it's just a wedding, a Catholic wedding. If it's a Catholic and a non-Catholic, it is a mixed marriage. And that is what Davis will be uh, taking part in, is a mixed marriage. So you might just ditch the the liturgy of the Eucharist. Uh, That's especially common when you're uh, marrying somebody from a Protestant denomination because it it just confuses um, the other family members. It also, uh, there are certain sects of Protestants that can get real uh, upset by the fact that they cannot participate in communion because a ah. Protestant cannot take uh, Catholic communion. Uh, did the, did your did you have communion at your wedding? No, we did not. Yeah, because, uh, I, I, I wanted it because you know that's because you're you know, Colby. Because I'm Colby, and that's a big mm-hmm. big thing. But uh, it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. And it's typically it, it is typically good to not do that when you have uh, 
non-Catholics who are confused or Protestants yeah. that are confused by it. If you have non-Catholics, they don't care either way. I mean, that are just not non-Christian people. So mm -hmm. anyway, there's those three parts though. And that's what makes a, a wedding last an hour and a half in a Catholic church is it's a full mass with a marriage ceremony put in the middle of it. Mm. Typically you don't see a wedding ceremony happen on Sundays because it would have to happen at one of the masses that happens at the church that day. And you don't get to pick your readings or anything like that uh, because the Sunday takes precedence. Yeah. Otherwise, if it's on any other day, it is considered a feast, whether it's during Advent, whether it's during Lent. Uh, so you get all of the, you know, if you get married during Lent, that's the, a day of feasting where you're not going to do whatever thing you gave up. But it starts with the introductory rite. And the introductory rite is the entrance. And the entrance could be one of two things. One, it could be uh, the priest and the groom are and the groomsmen are all standing at the front already as uh, it begins. And and this is typically in America. This is typically the way that it happens just because we have our own cultural norms. But then the parents will walk in, the grandparents will walk in, the bridesmaids one by one will walk in, mm -hmm. uh, finally the bride. The other uh, way to do it, and this is more common in uh, an Eastern church or a more traditional Western uh, country, maybe like Poland or, or uh, even France, something like that, is you'd have... Normal, uh, when you go to Mass, you have your crossbearer and the lectors and uh, the deacon, priest and the deacon. They will all profess, process in just like it's a normal Mass, followed by the parents and the grandparents and the bride and the bridegroom locked arms coming together to the altar. Can you change that at all? You can't change that really too much. Um, I say but, because like we're not like so... A part of that would we just talk, talked about, and I try not to make this whole podcast too much about me, but ha yeah, literally you're here about you. This you're is, here. This is it. Uh, this is you're this in is here. It is. Uh, no, because like we like she didn't want like uh, folks that essentially like the uh, the bridal and the groomsmen, um, bridesmaids and the groomsmen, like up there mm -hmm. is just like us two. So like, is it okay if it's just like? Yep. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Because it's like it's small deviations, but like an overall theme you can kind of keep. Yeah. The main thing is that you, uh, the only thing that I think you really have to do is the bride has to process in because normally during a mass, the person that has to be there, um, that it is the person who facilitates the sacrament is the priest. So the mm -hmm. priest has to process in. Yeah. You know, that, that he is to stage. He's got to be there. Right. Yeah. Uh, at a wedding, the priest or deacon has to be there. So a deacon has the powers to marry you too. You don't yeah. have to have a priest. Um, and but the the main celebrants of the sacrament or celebrant might not be the right word, but whatever is the bride and groom. Mm. So uh, that is who needs to process in uh, is is the bride especially. So that is pretty much the main thing that you got to do is it has to be somebody enters in. Uh, you can't the the song where it's like here comes the bride. Dun, 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 that is one thing that's not allowed. Interesting. Can, can I pick my walkout music? You can pick pick it as long as it's a hymn. <laughs> so like Kaylee and I did uh, the Ode to Joy is what okay. we did for ours. Um, 
and then I think the the hymn that that we processed in with was Christmas Canon. It's uh, it, it just has to be a a proper liturgical gotcha. song. Uh, and I don't know how many brides actually like the dun 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 dun. Yeah, dun, I mean, I can't. Dun, dun, I just I can't have like Ludacris going. No, you cannot. Okay, you have that at the reception. Gotcha. So anyway, that's uh, that is how it would uh, come in. There's those two different possibilities of processing in and the line altogether, or the grooms up there with the priest, uh, and the bride comes in uh, mm-hmm. towards the end of it after the crossbearer and everything. Uh, and there is uh, there's flexibility in how quickly you walk in. How yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just those things have to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the priest will greet everybody, and after the priest does the greeting and the uh, opening prayer, then the Gloria is sang. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no, it skips the penitential rites. So normally before the Gloria, you'll have the Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. It skips that. We're in a feast mode. Uh, and it goes straight to the Gloria, which is uh, a hymn of praise to God that we sing at every mass. Uh, it's glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace mm. to people of goodwill. And it goes on. Um, so that's what is sung next. Then the opening prayer. And then uh, after the opening prayer, everybody will sit down. So everybody's standing at this point. The bride's walking in. We all stand up. Already this right here is like, that. this is the, this the is intro. This is the length of a this Protestant is the, wedding. Yeah, sometimes. this is the <laughs> intro. And it's like, yeah, no, it's uh, gen- most, uh, most wed- Protestant weddings I've been to. Yeah, no, it's, it's quick. Because I yeah. remember it being shockingly like, Oh, I got dressed up for this. Like, yeah. I'm, which I'm I, I go really, take this coat off. Like, I really hate that for, uh, I guess, non-liturgical uh, sects of Protestantism that don't have a liturgy set. Because I'm like, man, it's your big day. This is awesome, and it's over just like that. I mean, frankly, but, I mean, I get it. I'm, I'm kind of just. <laughs> if you've not gathered, I'm just kind of about partying with my friends. Um, because that's you know the fun. That's of the big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a so big next party for you and all your butts. Yeah. Like um, you and so all anyway, your buds who can afford plane fights to Mexico. <laughs> yeah. It'll be, it'll be me angry up there. Although I can't believe he made me fly to Mexico. Oh, and that's then, uh, bold of you to assume that you're going to be up there. I assume I will. Uh, yeah. Again, <laughs> again, to the point it's like, yeah, for not having like groomsmen. So it's just like, we might just be freewheeling it. Like, Oh, that is another interesting thing. Uh, your your best man and your maid of honor will sign your uh, Catholic marriage certificate. Cool. Yeah, because you have to have a witness that can attest, hey, this person's free freely doing this. Yeah. Has this capacity um, and knows what he's doing. So that's another reason you can't have a stranger necessarily doing it. Uh, oh, you've okay. you got to have somebody who, who can attest, oh, I know that guy. I know he's not, uh, you know, it's not a shotgun wedding. This is my second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, did, did, did that joke fall flat? Yeah. yeah uh, no, I didn't get it. Okay. You know, in duels, um, like in uh, like old timey duels, walk out and like shoot each other. Uh, you didn't just go shoot each other. You had a second um, who was essentially insurance that mm. if you back down or for whatever reason, they stepped in on your behalf. So like they oh, had gosh. skin in the game too. Yeah. Yeah, so that that yeah, that kind of is an out. It was an honor thing. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so now we've gotten through the opening, the the introductory right. This probably takes about five to seven minutes. 
uh, now we're going to all sit down and we're going to have the liturgy of the word. And that is just like at mass, you'll have one mm-hmm. Old Testament reading, you'll sing a psalm, you'll have one New Testament reading, and you'll have a gospel. Mm-hmm. There are, uh, when you start preparing for your wedding, you'll get a little book that has all of the primary uh, verses that people like to use. I, I don't think you have to use one of those, but I mean, it covers the the right uh, words. I, I know if you pick something outside of that book, the priest would just have to sign off on it. Uh, but typically, I mean, there's so many readings in that that's already mm-hmm. approved by the church. It's like, these are appropriate for wedding masses. Yeah. So you'll pick the, the Old Testament reading. So we'll all sit for that, hear from the Old Testament. After the Old Testament reading is done, then there will be a psalm, and the psalm is typically sung. Uh, and after the psalm is sung, then there's a New Testament reading from one of the uh, letters, so not a gospel. Uh, and then after the New Testament, we're all going to stand up, we'll sing Alleluia, and the priest will read the gospel reading. Mm-hmm. So, and then, what? Oh, no, no, I'm waiting. The And then the and marriage. Then, I was about to say, because, like, no, then, honestly, then sitting, I mean, it sounds so boring. Like, mm-hmm. um, so during the readings that, that that's occurred, then there's going to be a short homily. And depending on your minister, it might be short, it might be long. Uh-huh. Uh, but typically, you know your minister uh, if you fly him down. Uh-huh. Yeah, if you, if he's down there in Mexico already, then there's going to be, then you'll not have as much discretion on that. But if you bring somebody down there. That actually uh, was a question. We were, it was like, oh God, we're going to find somebody who can do it in English. And if not English, like Latin. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, it'll be in Spanish. Yeah. Probably but, your your best bet might be flying uh, one of the deacons down that we know. Um, But anyway, they'll, they'll do a short, short homily. uh, And then after that homily, then you get into, uh, let me make sure I've got this right. I'm missing a page. There's my second page. That's all good. This is only my marriage. We're talking about. Yes. Nothing too important. Yeah, I know. Right. Oh my god. Oh, it printed on the back. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Okay. So, uh, after the homily uh, happens, then we get to the celebration of matrimony. Mm -hmm. So this is, so far it's been almost exactly like Mass, uh, and we got the celebration of the matrimony. At this point, we're all going to stand. So we, we heard the gospel, we were standing, then we sat down for the homily, now we're standing again for, uh, the celebration of matrimony. The first thing that happens here is the address and statement of intentions. So everybody's going to stand, including the bride and groom and the witnesses, which and is again, good. where are we in this? We're up, the we're whole up time. There? You're on the altar. Okay. Oh, yeah. good. Uh, you'll be on the altar the whole time. Probably either with chairs facing the Ambo, which is the podium. Mm-hmm. Uh, or chairs facing the altar altogether with your backs to the uh, to the mm-hmm. congregation. Uh, but at this point, you're standing and you're standing in front of everybody. The priest is going to ask a couple of questions to state your intentions about your freedom of choice, your fidelity to each other, 
and the acceptance and upbringing of children, unless mm -hmm. you're beyond childbearing age, but you people are not. Yeah. Uh, that actually was a question we were discussing earlier. It's like, cause I, I thought I recalled something about like, the, it's not necessarily you being in the Catholic church, but it's like the children will be, is that like a requirement? Like, yes, that's a requirement yeah, is that you're going to raise your children Catholic. Um, but the promise you're making here is not that you're going to raise them Catholic. It's that you are going to have children. Yeah. So this is where you're saying, uh, we're going to say no to contraception. We're going to be open to God's plan when it comes to children. Uh, and whenever God blesses us with children, we're going to accept them and raise them mm -hmm. with open arms. Uh, barring any ridiculous, not ridiculous in the sense of yeah. like stupid, but ridiculous well, like, as in far fetched. Yeah, yeah, it's like non statistically likely like issues. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that and that's a big one that uh, typically trips up people uh, before they get to the wedding is is especially for mixed marriages is that's a hard conversation to have with somebody who. Uh, has grown up, especially Protestant in the United States where contraception is no big deal. Mm -hmm. That's one big hurdle that people have to get over. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that is the, uh, those are the things that he's going to ask you. There are, you're going to answer each question separately and you're going to answer. I have, or I am, mm -hmm. uh, after the address and statement of intentions. And that's the part well, we're where lawyers. Like, so we're going to say, I shall. I don't know if you can. I'm sorry. That's a lawyer joke, but actually <laughs> I'm wondering if you can, you might be able to shall shall and will is the obligatory language. Like if you're trying to create like an obligation in a contract, like, mm. yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, this party shall, you know, do X. So that's kind of, mm. that's actually kind of interesting. If we can't change that. That is interesting because that, that, uh, Oh, that's a rabbit hole. I don't want to go down, but yeah, no, I've, I've already determined that like the Catholic wedding is really going to be antithetical to like my sense of being in the way, like my personality. Um, because like I'm trying to do bits here. Like, <laughs> yes. and, and there's like 2000 years of like, here's how we do things. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it'd be like super funny if we <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I think you and I have talked about it before. Uh, probably off air, but it, like the Protestant dominant uh, cultures. So like the English cultures, the American mm -hmm. culture, something like that versus the Catholic cultures, like the Irish culture uh, or an Italian culture. It's a lot more in the Protestant cultures of exactly as it is written letter of the law. Whereas the Catholic cultures is a lot more intent. So like, uh, I can't think of a less okay. lesser crime or something like, like the intent of. Oh, I'm I'm drawing blanks. But so you might have to follow that one, but it's like you know I, I would see I would kind of argue the opposite in that Catholics more letter of the law just because we have so many laws. We do, um, but if you look in like the Catechism, um, or Canon Law, even where it's saying, uh, for example, the priest must say these words to consecrate the host. Okay, mm -hmm. yes, that is the formula. Oh, but, but it's the intent. If, uh, yeah, okay. Right. If he'd forgotten them, but he intended to say them, the effect still takes place. Mm. Whereas okay. more legalistic, I guess Protestant be more legalistic and Catholics more, uh, what even would be the word there? Intent, intent based? Uh, objective versus subjective, but like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that's. Um, 
that is and that's not a hole that we could go down. Yeah, there. that's obviously but, not a hard and fast rule. It just is yeah. something that's kind of come out of these different ideas. So intentions, it does have, I have, I am. If you say, well, your uh, father 30 years ago, whatever, 30 years from now, and you're trying to get dormant, I didn't I, say I have, I didn't say I am, I said yeah. I shall, and they're going to go, yeah. uh, no, we don't care. <laughs> I, said I, I said I probably will. Like, yeah, I'll get around to it. Yeah, and they'll go, uh, the papers are signed. It's you're married. No. Oh yeah. No. And we actually even have to talk to lawyers beforehand. I mean, hell we got to get, uh, our prenup in order. Like, sorry, you're not. Yeah. Two lawyers aren't getting married without a contract being in oh, place. Gosh. Like, well, the, uh, the interesting other fun fact too, is to get married in the Catholic church, you must have your government's legal documents as well. You have to be civilly married as well. Well, yeah. That Which is, thing. I just thought that was interesting. I, I didn't realize that because I was and, sitting there like, eh, what do you, you care if the state recognizes your marriage or not? But interesting. Catholic Church does. And so, I mean, I might be getting us off track because that's another question I do have uh, is how, when does that need to happen? Like, does that need to happen beforehand? Like, because honestly, we should. Uh, let, let, let's go all over that after we get through the. Okay, the gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so we've gotten through the address and statement of intentions in the celebration of matrimony. Next is the exchange of consent. So the presider, the priest or the deacon, invites the couple to declare their consent to be married, which they do by stating their marriage vows. The order of celebrating matrimony offers several different options for these vows. Uh, the presider affirms the reception of the consent, then leads the assembly in acclamation that may, uh, which may be sung or may not be sung. Mm -hmm. um, the big thing here is you can't write your own vows. You got to use one of the vows that are there. Yeah. Uh, I always find that easier. Nobody wants to hear written vows <laughs> when it comes I've, down to it. Well, I mean, it's uh, it because it kind of turns into like, um, sorry to everyone who's everyone who's ever been married, but it's like every maid of honor speech. <laughs> yeah. yeah i first met you when i met you i just knew we were going to be the best of friends and and then he came into your life and i'm just so happy for you uh, tell me that's not accurate as hell yeah like yeah yeah, yeah. and you don't it, want you don't want the bride and groom riffing up there on the they don't want davis altar. doing bits yes like, again Yes, it's that, bullshit. <laughs> this is all designed to make sure Davis stays in line. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, so yeah, exchange of consent. That's the next part. Uh, the next after the exchange of consent is the blessing and the giving of the rings. So the priest or the deacon blesses the wedding rings through a prayer and the sprinkling of holy water. The husband will place his wife's ring on her finger, and the wife will place her husband's ring on his finger. And then the order of celebrating matrimony provides different options uh, for the blessing of the rings as well as the exchange of the rings uh, or the, as well as the exchange of coins according to local customs. So there are different customs apparently. Cool. I did not know that. Um, while not specified in the ritual text, local custom may include the exchange of a kiss at this point as well. Okay. Um, I Again, the, the it seems a very weird way to say you may kiss the bride. Yeah, you the, may exchange a kiss. Yeah, there's a uh, there's room for local custom to an extent in the order of matrimony. 
it it just depends on what mm. the the priest will accept or what the bishop will accept in his diocese, uh, which y'all will get into some fuzzy area going to Mexico versus. Oh, I, oh, I have some questions on that. Don't <laughs> worry, don't worry, listeners. I'm I'm ready. Okay, so following uh, the rings exchange, then you have the pr- profession of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll be the Nicene Creed. Uh, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, Creator. Uh, after that, you'll have the the universal prayer or the prayers of the faithful is mm-hmm. typically what we call it, at least in the South. I don't know if they call it. I've heard it called the universal prayer up North. But anyway, uh, prayers of the faithful will come uh, read by a lector or cantor or uh, somebody who you choose to do that. Uh, each intercession will happen. At this point, we're still standing. Each intercession is going to happen, and it's mostly going to be prayers for long marriage for the bride and groom, blessing of children, mm-hmm. blessing of faith. Uh, but a- after each prayer, they'll say uh, for the bride and groom that they might always love each other and grow closer to God through their marriage. As soon as they say the prayer, everybody is going to respond, Lord, hear our prayer. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how that's going to go. Uh, so we're still standing. As soon as that happens uh, and ends, then we will all sit down and the liturgy of the Eucharist will begin at this point. Uh, we'll pass around the collection basket for the bride and groom. No, I'm just oh, does that get it to us? No. no, uh, no. Oh, we're, dude. Oh, we're not bruh. passing around the collection bruh. basket at all. <laughs> for, uh, uh, <laughs> um, all proceeds go to the open bar. Uh, yeah, so the the... Uh, next part is the presentation and the preparation of the gifts, uh, mm-hmm. which is you'll have somebody take the, uh, if you had a the liturgy of the Eucharist. So if you're not going to do this, I'm still going to go through it, but we'll skip to the end and, and we'll say, here's where we'll cut back in. Yeah. Uh, but the U- liturgy of the Eucharist starts, we'll set, we'll prepare the gifts and two people or three people or family will bring uh, the bread unleavened bread and the wine and bring it to the the priest up on the altar who will prepare the altar and get ready for uh, liturgy of the Eucharist, typically a song sung at this point too. Then there's the Eucharistic prayer uh, and there will be singing of holy, 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 Lord God of uh, power and might or the Sanctus if it's in Latin. Uh, And at that point, after that is sung, everybody will kneel. At that point, there will be uh, what's called the memorial acclamation, mm. part of the prayers, the liturgy of the Eucharist. This I'm is where it's going to tell you to n- yada 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 some of this. Like, uh, yeah, th- this know, is this like, is the yada yada in part of it. It's, I was it's about just say, whoo, gets dense. prayers, the Eucharist, uh, and and I think we did a mass episode, so you can learn this part there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're all kneeling at that point. Then we're going to stand again uh, and have the communion rite, which is going to include the Lord's prayer. Uh, but if you are not a Catholic or Orthodox going to this wedding or any Catholic event, as soon as you say, uh, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, yeah. stop. Do not say, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Stop at evil. The priest is going to say another little prayer right there. I, re- I remember your wedding. Up. I remember yeah. your wedding. Then like... we're going to pick it back up with, for thine <laughs> is the power and the kingdom of the glory forever. Um, yeah. So that that is uh you'll you might feel a little embarrassed, but don't because people expect that at a, a mixed marriage 
Uh, so you'll have it's to look one of those where the Catholic side like kind of elbows each other. They're like, ah, you know, yeah, there yeah, they are. It's, not, it, it's no one's holding any grudges, but it's it's just one of those. Huh. Yeah. Um. So at this point, uh, two and and if this will get inserted if you don't do liturgy of the Eucharist, you'll have the nuptial blessing. Uh, the couple kneels at their place or approaches the altar where the priest faces them. The priest invites all present to join in silent prayer for the couple, then extends his hands over the bride and groom and offers the blessing. The order of celebrating matrimony provides options for this nuptial blessing as well, so you get to pick that, uh, including beginning with the blessing and placing of the veil, if customary. Mm-hmm. So uh, these are... The veil used to be... Uh, if you went to mass and you saw a woman with a veil on, uh, it used to mean that woman's married. Mm-hmm. Just a fun fact there. And that's one of the reasons we have veils at, at, uh, at weddings, but that, that would be the point where you do it there. If you don't have the Eucharist, this will happen right after the ceremony. So you, the bride and groom will kneel mm-hmm. in front of the priest and the priest will give his blessing while everybody prays for you. Uh, then after the Lord's prayer, and the nuptial blessing, you'll have the sign of peace uh, where people are going to try to shake your hand or just nod to you and say, peace be with you, peace be with you. An extra peace for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Old then thumbs up from your buddies in the crowd. Yeah. Like, so then you'll say the Lamb of God. Everybody will kneel. We'll have communion. If you're not a Catholic and communion is happening, so the priest has come off the altar with Eucharistic ministers, people who have the bread uh, that we believe is Jesus. Then they'll go to uh, the front of the mass and people will start filing out of their pews and walking towards the altar uh, to eat uh, communion. If you're not Catholic, you have two options. One is you can just stay at your seat. Mm-hmm. I think that's always preferable. Nobody's going to give you funny looks. Uh, if you're, or you can, if you don't stay at your seat, you can go up to the altar, just cross your arms over your chest where you're almost making an X with your arms. And they'll give you a blessing instead of giving you communion. Uh, Because if you do eat that bread, which we believe to be Jesus, that gets into the verse, he who eats or drinks in vain, eats or drinks judgment upon himself. Now, if you didn't know, you're fine. You're not not rolling around in hell because, oh, no, I ate communion. Back to the the Catholic intent thing. Right, exactly. If if you're going in there like gobbling up the crackers, because you know you're trying to deprive folks of it. Yeah, you might have some like yeah, like if, turpitude. If you're like listening otherwise. to this podcast and you're going, I'll show Colby and those Catholics. I don't want that. That Now you're going to have some judgment on you. Yeah. Um, but if your Uncle Bob shows up and is like, I don't know what's going on. Give me that crap. That looks I, good. I'd eh. love a mid-Sunday snack. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> um, the only thing that there will be people watching to make sure it's either consumed or mm-hmm. uh, didn't get it all together. Otherwise, there's a very good chance somebody could stop you. Uh, you could even be tackled if you start running. Again, uh, I've literally, and we're saying this like it's a thing, but it's literally never seen this happen. Like, ne- like I have. Uh, well, to be fair, you've been to more mass than I have, um, <laughs> even though we're only a month apart, but uh, age wise. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, you're probably not, you know, absconding with the host in a way. Yeah, they're, what they're actually looking for, it's not wondering Protestants who don't know what they're doing. They do want to make sure that you handle our Lord with care mm-hmm. um, and eventually consume it. 
but there is a a problem at masses because uh, believe it or not, Satanists believe all the things that we do, except they pull for the other team. Mm. Uh, bold move, but don't, don't be breaking out the sriracha in the line. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't throw, do that either. Throwing a little Tabasco on the oyster cracker, like. But, but part of the uh, part of the black mass of Satanist is to it requires to have a consecrated host that is you know jesus consecrated so we watch for satanists uh to grab a host and take it out the door we especially watch for this at weddings because not everybody knows everybody that's there and it's easier to sneak in Um, we should we should do an occult episode we we certainly will It's, it's on my list but i know so much about it and i can't figure out where I want to put. Yeah. Like I listen to a lot of weird podcasts. Like I would have some fun. And and my bookshelf back here is, is full of like technically questionable things. Like when, with respect to the Catholic church, like my, like honestly, my bookshelf probably looks like a Satanist bookshelf just cause like I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And again, I like learning. Um, So like I have like Anton LaVey's like book of the law, like, like, very, so, like I would love to do that episode. Demons and exorcisms was something I got really into during my discernment. Whenever I thought I was going to be mm-hmm. a priest, and I was studying and studying, and it started terrifying me. I was like, "This is terrifying. I've got to stop now." So I closed my book, and I was like, "Damn it! I know too much now. Now I got to know how to defend myself against evil spirits and demons and stuff like that." So I had to keep learning and keep reading and everything like that. But, uh. Yeah, so anyway, that's what they're looking for. If they're not, and they don't assume you're a Satanist if you just wander out. They assume you're Uncle Bob who doesn't know what's going on at the Catholic Again, house, I, so. think, I, I think you've dwelled on this too much to where it's like a thing people are going to think about now. Like, what I'm trying to say to you is if you're not Catholic, sit in your pew, don't worry about it, God. and it'll be fine. Um, no one's going to judge you, do you think? Yeah, like, absolutely. Don't uh, literally steal from the old man <laughs> handing you crackers off of yes. a plate and you're good. Like, yes, like exactly. That's it. That's it. Uh, okay. So anyway, that ends the liturgy of the Eucharist. When are we in with communion? Then that's the concluding rite. So if you skip everything that I just said from the point of the start of the Eucharist, except the nuptial blessing, then you'll get uh, the blessing for the entire uh, congregation and for the married couple. The presider uh, prays a solemn blessing over the married couple and the whole assembly. All participate in the blessing by repeating uh, the response, Amen. Uh, This blessing could be sung. Most priests aren't going to sing that. The ritual text indicates that the witnesses may sign the marriage license in front of the assembly at this point. Uh, though That's kind of ne- cool. Never with the license, uh, never with the license on the altar. So you're not going to sign it on the altar. Interesting. But you can't at this point. You can do which y'all might do because y'all are lawyers and be like this. Uh, that's it. You knew exactly yes. what I was thinking. Is like, now we're gonna sign the documents. I'm about um, to turn to the congregation. You know, right hand on the Bible, saying, uh, "I, Davis Pig of sound mind and body, do consent to this marriage." Like, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Now the vows you made beforehand are a little more weighty because they, you know, involve your eternal soul yeah. versus mm-hmm. the state of mm-hmm. Mexico. I guess. I mean, that's that's one of the questions I'm leading into. Yeah. 
I'm so trying anyway, to find my segue. Here's the dismissal. We'll be dismissed. Priest will say, go in peace. And everybody will say, thanks be to God. Good then morning. the closing processional, uh, everybody will uh, typically, this isn't specified. So this, you can leave just the couple or the bridal party first or whatever you want to mm-hmm. do. Uh, but you'll recess out. There's no, uh, you can't do the little, uh, the office Pam and Jim's wedding where you, you uh-huh. got, I got a feeling pumping or whatever it is. Yeah. So has to be another hymn and then you're out and then that's it. And it'll take, uh, if you got the liturgy of the Eucharist, it'll take about an hour and a half. If you've got just the wedding, it'll take somewhere between 30 minutes to uh, 45, maybe an hour. If you've got a lot of singing in it, mm-hmm. I don't recommend all this. I recommend the opening song, the Psalm and the, the closing song. It's my biggest problem with mass is all the singing. Yeah. Like that was, uh, there just get you know, to the point at that point. If, this is a side note. If you don't like all the singing and want a short mass, find the four o'clock mass on a Saturday that all mm-hmm. the old people go to. It'll be done in 45 minutes at the well, yeah, latest. Right. Well, cause dinner time's four 30. Yeah. And, and they'll get you out and it's a good service. It, it hits all the boxes and it's still reverent. So mm-hmm. anyway, so that's, that is your Catholic wedding. Davis, what, what burning questions do you have now? Well, uh, on the front end, I have a few jokes to make. So first, why? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So why? Why are Catholic masses? Uh, why are Catholic weddings so long? It's because we allow drinking, and we're just trying to like build up. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. So that that's literally it. Everyone's just sitting here, like, God, I just want to want to go over to the reception. Yeah, no. Um, second is just a comment um, because I was told. Uh, I mean, for, for the listeners who don't know, um, your boy used to have shoulder length hair. Um, now it's, you know, it is the, as I tell my hairdresser, it is, uh, now the generic white guy cut, you know, a little short on the sides, Looks pretty good. cut on the top. Appreciate it. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, straight up. I walk into any hairdresser. I go to a great clip. So it's like, it's, you know, $17 and I have a different person every time. And I straight up say the generic white guy haircut, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. She goes, yep. And they hit it perfect every time. Like, but, uh, but, uh, I used to have short length hair and I have pretty, really pretty long hair. Um, similar to Colby's right now. Uh, but that is one thing Colb is that, uh, she would like me to grow my hair out a little bit. So, we're going down that journey again. You're, it's going to happen. Allowed, you're allowed to do it. Congratulations. Oh, I, I know. I was just, <laughs> you, I was just letting you know. Um, as uh, I, I finally as, got the free reign to do mine. One, because so I, I work for my dad for most of my job. Uh, and he has always been against long hair on men. But he started growing his hair out. And I said, well, that rule's gone now. So I've got I've got my long hair. I don't like it, but my wife loves it. So, yeah, I'm kind of in the same same situation and that yeah. like, I'm good with my short that I don't have to worry about it. Like, you know, little gel in it. You're good. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just long hair just takes so much work. And I like, I've been there and I know what it took, but apparently uh, that is what is requested. So uh, I'm doing it. So I'm going to join you here in this like medium to long hair journey you got going. Um, but okay. So to the real shit. Um, thank you, Colby for your, in-depth explanation of your question. Yep. Um, sure. It was longer than most people wanted. Honestly, we're 55 minutes in. 
it almost was the length of an actual wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, this this is good radio. Thank you for listening, everyone. Um, but yeah, so obviously now, was, now where the good stuff gets. Yeah, now now we're in the in the meat. Um, yeah, so obviously, like you did that from the perspective of mixed marriage because that's what is going to be for me. But um, my biggest question, honestly, it's it, and it's weirdly procedural, but I think it's. I guess relevant, especially for the listeners, like, listen, like trying to figure out how the fuck to do this. Cause that's what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, cool. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna throw apart the side for the moment that, um, I'm doing this in another country, but like, cool. I have proposed to this woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to marry her. I mm-hmm. want to marry her in the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. There eventually is a date to do that. Uh, what do I have to do in the middle? Like, do I have okay. to go talk to a priest? Like, do, is there a certain required counseling, um, to do this in the church? Like, yes, that kind to- of stuff, like that, the prerequisites that I have to go do and ha- I have to initiate that I don't know. Yes. So there's a couple of things. One, you do have to have permission to get married to a non-Catholic. Okay. And it's, Always from from whom? From the bishop. Oh, now you don't have a bishop right now, based on where you live. Mm. Your bishop just resigned uh, in disgrace. Uh, So great, you don't have a bishop. So I don't know who it goes to, but probably the pastor of your parish would would petition the closest bishop, maybe the bishop of of the neighboring diocese. And is that like a little piece of paper? Like, do I just go to him and say, hey? Like, and I'm, I'm going to try to keep this as general as possible. Cause yeah. like, honestly, you and I can have this conversation off air, but like, but like, is it a piece of paper saying, Hey, these guys are good. Like, so, the, so y- yes and no, there is, you will get a piece of paper because once you pick a church in Mexico, so that's a big one. You got to do that the, first. Yes. And, okay. and, and the way to get this paper, do you have a parish that you go to typically while you're there in your yeah. city? Yeah. Okay. Are you a registered member there? No. Okay. First thing you need to do is you need to go to that parish, become a registered member. Okay. Like immediately. Got it. Then you need to talk to the priest. What the priest is probably going to tell you is I will sign your papers, but I better see you in mass every Sunday. Hmm. Um, because he has to be, he has to put his name in honor to say, this is a Catholic in good standing with the church. And he can only do that if he sees you at mass every Sunday. Uh, So you have to have a personal parish. Then because you're not necessarily supposed to get married outside of your personal parish. However, in a mixed marriage, you have leeway because we know, uh, you know, if it's two Catholics, it's pretty easy. It's like, Hey, the bride's parish. This is it. So it's no problem, but we know it's not that easy whenever you're marrying a non-Catholic which is fine. Their churches does it literally every day. Mm. Uh, so you, that's the first thing you need to do is you need to call tomorrow and say, Hey, I need to get registered with this parish. And you can even say, Hey, I'm getting married. I want to be in good standing with the church. I want to have a Catholic wedding and I'd like to talk to the priest about it. And the priest will have your meeting say, here's our situation. We need to get married in Mexico. Uh, you know, here's where her family is. Here's where my family is. Here's what's going on. 
uh, and he'll say, that's great. You need to become a member of this church. Uh, you'll probably need to send, even if it's like $5 a month donation to the church, yeah. because part of being a Catholic in good standing is you're supporting your local church. Yeah. Yeah. It's, gotcha. it, it seems like a bribery of like, you better sign my paper because I'm sending money, but it, it, it is something that we've talked about on previous episodes. I mean, that's kind of at a certain point, that's semantics. Uh, one yeah. man's bribery, bribery is another man's yeah. tithe. So, right. But, yeah. but we yeah. talked about a Catholic good, good standing takes the Eucharist yeah. once a year, goes to mass every Sunday, donates yeah. to his church. Um, and unless you were in a position where you're like dirt poor and like, I can't give anything and he'll be like, okay, I understand. Yeah. Then I'll go, why are you getting married in Mexico? Anyway, <laughs> but, but that, that would be what I do next. Then the priest is going to help you or the whoever's at the parish office. Then you'll get signed up for uh, marriage counseling uh, classes. It's called pre-Cana because the wedding feast Cana, mm -hmm. that's just the system it is. And for, for me, it was a weekend retreat where you're there for three days. And the priest came out at the beginning and said, I'm so glad all of you are here. There's 10 couples. He said, statistically, based on the retreats I give, only eight of you will make it out of the end of it. And now you're sitting there looking at everybody and going, who's not going to make it? Mm -hmm. And you're like, I can't believe somebody would get engaged but not make it. And sure enough, by the Friday night, two couples had already left. Huh. And it's, it's, it's not going to be like you because it's always a couple that's like, well, how did you guys meet? And they're like, well, I don't know. I saw her at the quick trip and it was, it was love. <laughs> oh, gotcha. And there's like, well, what do you know about her? And there's like, I know she likes breathing and food. Yeah. And you're like, y'all don't she know loves each other. She loves tacos and margaritas. Like <laughs> <laughs> there are people, I mean, that would have been a better answer, but yeah. there are people that do not know their fiancés at all. Oh, wow. So you're like, go figure it out and then come back. Uh, but anyway, during that, thankfully we've lived in sin for a year. So like, there you go. You know yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, yeah, not a lot of secrets. Okay. <laughs> That's I'm glad you brought that up too. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring that up. I wouldn't volunteer that information. No, I will not again. Um, again, what again, is we are both attorneys? Like, yes, we are so going to be, if he so asks, tight. if he asks, do not lie to him because yeah, of that course, could of course. tank everything. Um, but I do know a couple who wanted to get married. And uh, when that question came up, he was like, is there any way around this? And they were like, no. And he goes, okay, well, you come live in the, told the dude, you come live in the rectory with me for the six months or whatever, hmm. uh, which was, you know, good solution to that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that, that, uh, that it don't volunteer that information. Yeah, no, it's but one don't of those, uh, like, father, how do you, father, how do you, uh, I'm going to come live in a rectory with you. Like, yeah. how do you feel about like tools, nicotine and guns? What, like, what, you know, like, most, what most likely will happen with that is they'll say, do you have two bedrooms? Separate your bedrooms. Yeah. Especially yeah. in a situation where neither family is nearby. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that would be my suggestion either way is. Yeah, of course. Uh, because it is, it, uh, you know, th this is one thing I learned because me and my wife, uh, she lived in a separate room in the same house as me before we got married. Oh, I remember sleeping on that couch. Yeah. So the the there there is something different. And I mean, it's a different mark on your soul, but 
it's weird to say, hey, yeah, it actually, you feel different when you're married. It's just something different. Um, and that helps you prepare for it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, if you go talk, talk to the priest and then you'll get signed up for these pre-Cana classes, either a retreat, uh, which I'd probably do the retreat. It's more fun. You get to hang out with your wife and really get into some stuff. Uh, or it'll be classes, which are it kind of sucks because it's every Wednesday or whatever at nine o'clock. And yeah, yeah, you do your thing. Uh, but at that point, you're going to talk everything about faith and what's the plan for Sundays and how do we work, especially for mixed marriages? Uh, you know, are you going to become Catholic? Do you are you adamantly against becoming Catholic? What about kids? And you go into these details. Then you get into even like secular, not secular. Yeah, I guess it's secular details that they want you to figure out, too, is like uh, when you have your bathroom set up, where do you want your toothbrush and stuff like that? The biggest one that me and uh, Kaylee had big ones like finances. Finances is huge. Yeah, yeah. Because if there is like, uh, if like your fiance has a hundred thousand dollars in debt, and then you get married, that's and they keep that from you. That's kind of grounds for annulment at that point, too. That's why. Um, that's why everyone should have a prenup. You don't need a prenup if you intend to get married completely. Oh no no no! That is a hundred percent false. Like shit happens, bro. If but you're you, Catholic, oh, you and, can. And divorce you, is not dude, an option. Every marriage that has ever ended intended to stay together. Like, I agree, but there's yeah. something. There's difference in a Catholic wedding where you know divorce is not even on the table, versus. Uh, but I mean the, the. Well, actually, I don't know if the church says discourages prenups. I don't think the church cares. Uh, no, I mean, uh, I mean, I don't think the church it, cares it, because the church understands if they're being didn't. intellectually honest, they don't because yeah. re- because regardless, the marriage is valid. Right. Right. Unless it's annulled. Like so. So if they discourage prenups, it would imply that that some aren't. Does that logic follow? Like. Right. Um, yeah. Hang on. I'm, I'm looking at the catechism right here. OK, perfect. Oh gosh, Colby. Oh, what a good pair we are. But, uh, but yeah, no, like, I mean, it, it's largely something that you should do anyway. This is not legal advice. It is simply legal information. <laughs> um, uh, I am not your attorney. Um, if you have questions, seek out one in license in your jurisdiction. Um, but it's like, if you have any sort of significant assets, like that becomes a question. I mean, again, also like, Cause shit happens straight up at the end of the day. That's the whole of the legal profession is sometimes shit happens. What do you do? Right. Like, and the nice thing about a prenup is straight up. Just like, here's what, here are the guideposts that we want to follow in the event. The unlikely happens. Cause I'll be very honest with you, bud. I work with contracts every single day that fought, you know, I literally hundreds of them. Like, those guideposts, like you know, the fringe cases, happen every day, and most of them work out fine. But the, those ones on the ends, they do. And at the end of the day, you're like, man, I'm damned happy. I thought of that weird eventuality and put in language about it. Okay, so here's the only thing that I found here: Can, uh, Canon eleven o two of 
the church's code of canon law says that marriage subject to a condition about the future cannot be contracted validly. Cool. For a prospective spouse to say, for example, I will marry you if you agree that I'll get half the assets at divorce strikes at the heart of the church's view of marriage. Cool. So that's, that's not, that's not a pre uh, prohibition on prenups. Okay. Because, because a contract is um, by its definition, a meeting of the minds. It is not a condition. Um, I am not married. It's a difference uh, between I am not marrying you unless you, or I, or I am marrying you like, and we happen to have like an agreement just in the case it doesn't like that. Like a prenup is not right. a condition of marriage and now not in mine. Uh, right. And, you could have a yeah. prenup that now, did have these, if, these stipulations. If, if, if we're talking about Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, I guarantee you that it was a condition of marriage that there was a very certain contract signed. However, uh, that is not the case in like you and me. Right. So this goes back to also the, uh, again, intent. If you intend for a life where you're together until death do you part, that yeah. also helps. Then your the language in the prenuptial agreement must, uh, it, it must not have the stipulations of, okay, here's what happens mm -hmm. if you, perform if you cheat on me this is what we should this is what will happen we will be divorced and i will get half your assets or anything like that it has to be uh more of if we agree to divorce or say i don't know what the legal words yeah, I was about to say, but you like, understand no, what i'm saying no right it, here, it's right? no the question is that it is a prerequisite not a condition precedent uh right. well, well wait sorry those the same thing but um it, it, it's not a condition precedent. It's not a prerequisite for marriage. Like you will enter this marriage either way. Yeah. It is whether or not there are triggers down the line, especially for infidelity, because that's a big clause anyway. Um, but it is not a prerequisite for marriage because read that again. Marriage subject to a condition about the future cannot be contracted validly. Exactly. It is a condition about the future. They're, they are saying that in the way that, um, it is not like I'm going to marry you. If you sign this contract, it kind of goes back to the, um, the like valid consent. Like you're not being coerced into this marriage. You are not being, uh, like unless you sign this one thing, right. this will not happen. It's kind of, it kind of gets into coercion there because most people see prenups as like the, uh, the whole, the whole, like, Oh, you're planning for divorce. So yeah, yeah, you, you kind of are, but like also stuff happens. Like, like, so, I mean, and I'll give you an example, dude. Um, like 90, I'm, I'm kind of pulling this out of my ass a little bit cause I don't have it in front of me, but honestly it's this high. It's like 85 to 90% of couples who have the, who experience the death of a child get divorced. Mm. Who the fuck is planning for that? No one, right? no one, but so like, the, but in the event you have that emotional turmoil, thank God you had like, you know, they, you can look back and say like us of sound mind and body, when we were thinking like, you know, we were nice and clear and you can amend it at any point. You were thinking clearly you have this thing saying, okay, what do we do? We're just not working anymore because we had this horrible event. Right. And, and so the, the, 
and what I'm reading here too is the church doesn't necessarily say no because it also the church does want you to have a prenup if there's like previous children from a, a dead spouse or something. Yeah. Like um. So anyway, that that's as long as it is in accordance with the canon law, because with the church you can get legalistic when it comes to some of this stuff. I love uh, it. The only thing the, pri- the priest might request be like put put something in there that says and if the church approves an annulment or something like that oh, okay uh, in it. but honestly i don't think once i got asked about a prenuptial agreement when i was getting married anyway because they're they're more focused on during those classes and the retreat is like how are we going to make sure this works because there's going to be roadblocks the biggest mm-hmm. thing that happened with me and kaylee during our uh uh retreat was we spent like three hours trying to figure out what does Thanksgiving and Christmas plans look like? Because this family is going to expect this, this family's going to mm. expect this. Uh, because as much as you love uh, your fiance that you're going to get married to, they're coming with a big old family with them and mm. they can uh, screw a lot of stuff up. When it comes uh, I, down mean, to I, it. I mean, I feel that her side's Greek. Mine's Italian. Like, there are going to be compromises drawn and feelings hurt. Yeah. And I'm saying this with full knowledge that those people are listening. Yeah. Like, yep, 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 yep. So that, that's the big thing is like, what are we going to do in these different situations? Uh, one of the, I hate to say it, but yeah, one of the benefits of when you're living together before then is you know what things are going to bother you. So you get a chance to talk those things out. Uh, stuff that you're just not, one, you're not thinking about when you're sitting around by yourself and two, you, if you do think about it, it's not going to organically come up, mm-hmm. uh, but you'll get a whole out workbook. That's what, like 50 what do you pages. Mean? What do you mean, Colby? What, what specifically annoys you about your wife? <sighs> <laughs> Let me get to the next podcast. I'll write a list. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, oh. Like I'm going to stop handing you shovels. Like, <laughs> But, but yeah, so so that, that would be the next step is you do that. Uh, after you talk to your priest and get set up with your parish and become an actual member of that parish, mm-hmm. that's when you're going to want to very quickly find a parish that you're, not very quickly, but like give it some time because most parishes need nine months in advance before <laughs> they'll okay. uh, do it. Yes. Good. Uh, good to know. Um, uh, it's I think definitely... my, parish need, my parish needs six months. Uh, but most parishes need nine months in advance to say, Hey, yeah, you can get married in our parish. Uh, not just for one to make sure all that paperwork follows through because it's, it's a odd case when somebody's getting married, not at their parish. Uh, but two, it's just like, we got to make sure that the, uh, Knights of Columbus ladies auxiliaries not having their fish fry on that night and knitting club. And, uh, you know, there's a whole, just logistic stuff that comes with that. Yeah, no. So then, whenever you got the, uh, whenever you get that set up, married. So you, we're, you'll we find your church registered member. You're you're paying. You've got the sign thing. Um, you've done marriage counseling. Like you you've picked out your church. At that point, the the people who do your precana are going to lead you through every part of that. Oh, love that. that. So you love don't even it. have to worry about that. Love Most it. parishes have a specific wedding planner. And their whole job is to make you not have to worry about any of that stuff. Mm. They say, what are you thinking for this? Okay, here's these readings. 
uh, and you'd be like, well, we actually want this to happen at the wedding and they'll be able to tell you, okay, that is within canon law or more likely because typically you don't choose stuff that's so far out there that they're like, eh, we can't do that in the church. Yeah. What uh, helps with our wedding planner person, she was like, okay, I know you think you want to do this, but I've seen it happen at other weddings and it goes horribly because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. It, they help from that point. Uh, and then with the little book too, I'm seeing if there's one on my shelf, but uh, the little book too has all your readings in it that most people choose from and you go choose which readings you want. Uh, and then basically you can, there's a page at the back you can tear out and it says, here's the reading, the hymn, no music here, no music here. Here's what we want the mass to look at. And you talk to the priest who's going to marry you or the deacon and they'll make it happen. And the, the church part actually is not as stressful as it might seem. It just, they want to make sure that you get the pre cana in uh, that you, the, the hard part's going to be going from not your diocese altogether to a whole different diocese in a different country. Because mm-hmm. I didn't get married at my home parish because I wanted to get married closer to my wife's family. And that was annoying with some of the paperwork and it cost a little extra money and all that jazz, but it was still the same diocese and people knew each other. So it was easy to communicate. Yeah. And Uh, also you were very tied in to the diocese. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the cathedral church, cause I got married at a cathedral church. Cause you're not already a seminarian for that cathedral for two weeks. Yeah. Like you're not the average, but like, you know, we hearken back to like, the first episode we did on this podcast like what is the point of what we're doing like kind of talking to like because i'm like the average catholic like yeah culturally catholic not great at it like you know but 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 like it means a lot to me and i want to do it right right yeah well even with me being tied in it didn't help me at all with the wedding part because believe it or not, the people who care about priests and the seminarians don't care at all about the wedding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, So there's a whole different group of people I got to meet. Uh, But typically, at least in my experience, those people are going to be super strict about what you can and cannot do until the wedding day. And then they're going to be like, all right, you got it, whatever. Yeah. Because they, they want to make sure that it stays pure and that it stays, uh, Licit in the Catholic Church, but they also love weddings and love love because it's a great day. It's not supposed to be yeah. about you're not supposed to be worried about you don't oh, have to hit the checklist. Like, did I kneel here? Did I you know it, it goes back to the intent and and what we're doing and and mm-hmm. the purpose and the purpose is to uh you know glorify God and and become one so that the two of you can get each other to heaven and hopefully create a new little, life in the Catholic Church. Like yeah. Some yeah. little little piglets. Yeah. Uh I hate you for that. Like God. you know, you know I'm not the only one who's gonna say that. I uh, know. Um thank thank God that <laughs> that uh I guess there are rules in the Catholic Church. We can't like have like a uh I can't have the pastor freewheel and be like, Y'all planning on making piglets? Like yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Uh, I'm trying Let to me tell point. you this, too. Just a side note. If you do Come have on. a priest in, in Mexico who somehow speaks English or whatever, 
Uh, that's have, I, I really I don't think it's going to be a problem. But yeah. yeah, if you have a priest down there that you don't know, they all have a standard homily that lasts about five minutes in their head love for weddings, so you don't have to worry about that. I kind of love that. Uh, okay, I mean that that does actually. I mean that brings me a lot of comfort because uh, again, I came into this today straight up going to tell you like, hey buddy, I need you to do some research <laughs> because <laughs> because you know. Uh, yeah, no. It's Luckily, like, I've been through it all before. Exactly, and honestly, like from my end, I'm I'm sitting here thinking about it, and it's um, like it, again, we talk about like the the breadth of the Catholic Church. Uh, they talk about the like the breadth of the Catholic Church and just like how big it is. Um, and I don't know the history of it and what have you. That's largely what we talk about, but. The, it's very intimidating to me. And I grew up in it. Like, Oh yes. It's the world's oldest bureaucracy. No part of my Catholic upbringing told me how to work that bureaucracy. Like, and honestly, I have a bit of an executive dysfunction disorder. I can't plan what I'm doing in two days. Uh, I cannot tell you what I'm doing in 10 months. Uh, That shit is crazy as hell to me. And like, that's really comforting to know that like, there's actually a little bit of a process and it's not that hard to start. So I guess I'm going to be making a phone call tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> well, cause yeah, just like everything else, we've had 2000 years of experience of doing it. So yeah, we figured it out and it, and nobody knows what they're doing to get with it because most people only go through this sacrament once. So, yeah. you know, and that's, and that's a little fun fact we can uh, append on this before we get to my segment. Um, but fun fact for everyone out there. Um, because we've all heard that statistic of 50% of marriages end in divorce. That is statistically true and in practice, dumb as hell. Yeah. Um, so so uh, are you aware of the backstory of this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so actually what it is, so that is statistically correct in that um, there, so 50% of marriages do end in divorce. What everyone thinks that is is uh 50% of first marriages end in divorce and that straight up is not true um it's about i want to say if i recall correctly it's about 75 to 80% um of first marriages make it like so only about 25 to 20% of first marriages end in divorce however as you walk up uh, the amount of marriages you have, uh, that graph of divorce rate, it, it, it rises exponentially. So, uh, so first marriages, what is it like about 80 ish, 75, 80 ish percent of first marriages. Oh, sorry. 25 ish to, uh, 20% of first marriages into divorce. Second marriages, that number is about 30%. Third marriages, it hits about 45 fourth marriages it's about 60 and fifth marriages it hits about 80 percent. like it rises drastically with yeah. that so th- there's your little fun fact for uh, everyone on that yeah um, for anybody who's sitting there going oh davis is getting his prenup oh my gosh yeah it's because he's a lawyer and his fiance is going to be a lawyer and uh they're also crazy people too so yeah he's yeah. not planning for divorce as he goes in i've no. seen it I've seen Davis with his fiance. He loves her a lot. And uh, yeah. Thank you. I, Thank I, you for the disclaimer. <laughs> I, I was uh, 
it was going to take a special woman to get Davis pick to settle down and, and marry and not be, you know, have a care Davis. in the world, be excited about it. And he found that woman. I did. I'm, I'm, you know, for the jokes I make, I am, I'm genuinely so excited. And thank like, goodness. I like her a lot too. So that, you know, we've we, Davis and I've had friends that we can't stand their person. They married. So mm-hmm. we've been there before. But we, you know, we, also, you know, also did it in Greek. I proposed in Greek. Did you really? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all. It's the only. It's the third phrase in Greek I know. <laughs> yeah, here I'll. Uh, uh, before I get to my segment, I'll teach you. First one is uh, "asto diallo," which is um. Mother, asto diallo. Asto diallo, um, but asto it's a uh, mother of God or like you know my God, like that kind of thing. It's like asto diallo, like that's you know when you're fresh. Oh, like an expression. Yeah. 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 Um, second one is Malacca. Um, and that is what I, I learned that from Assassin's Creed and it means motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, her dad was super excited when I hit him with that, like out of the blue with a Southern accent. <laughs> He's like, how in the hell? Yeah. Um, and then, so what I proposed with was, uh, um, which is, um, I would like you to marry me, my beloved. Uh, and then I followed that with, but will you marry me? Uh, so yeah, that's That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah. It was, uh, I thought it was a nice touch. Um, but so to my final segment, um, Colby is generally a question to you because I actually had this discussion with my fiance earlier today. Um, what is Catholic guilt? And I will, and I'll, I'll give you a moment to, uh, to like kind of ponder on it because like we were having this bit of this discussion on like what is catholic guilt because my sister sent me a uh a tiktok (laughs) uh me and you um on kind of speaking about that a little bit and uh and we actually kind of had a little discussion on it on what it really means because i was always under the impression sorry let me back this up because my fiance was saying like how it's like how we feel the weight of original sin um and I've never thought of it that way. I've always thought Catholic guilt, which is a bit of a side note, because like I, I, I don't feel like I've ever had it. Like I maybe it's because I have no shame, but like, <laughs> but I never felt like like Catholic guilt. I've never really felt like like. But I always thought Catholic guilt, quote unquote, was like, like how we don't have an inter like we have an intermediary in our discussions with God and our sin. So like, whereas most um, Protestant sects can like, they have a more personal relationship with God say, Hey, I did a sin. Hey, I'm very sorry. Um, And then speak with God directly. We have to like, take that. We did a thing. We did a bad thing. We now have to hold that until we can talk to that intermediary uh, being the priest in confession. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I've always seen. Like Catholic guilt is like, Oh, I have this thing that I now have to tell to someone yeah. is what that is. It, like what, what is it in your thought? So, so Catholic guilt. Yes. I would say, agree with you on that part of, of it is the weight of the sins on our souls that we have not brought yet to confession. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, uh, I, I cause I've got, obviously living in Mississippi, I've got a lot of Protestant friends and I tend to keep friends who are very versed in their faith and theology. Um, the 
it's not uniquely uh, the thing about Catholic guilt is we're aware of our sin and we know that we need to take an action to let go of it. Mm. When I'm talking to my Protestant friends, they feel much more of a weight of that guilt, but it's more like suppressed, like pushed down, mm. like uh, uh, emotionally. And, and they know it's forgiven. They know that they've let it go. Um, but they still have that guilt kind of lingering in the back. And I think the reason we're so aware of that Catholic guilt is because we know the feeling of coming out of confession where we don't have those, the weight of our sins on us. Yeah. You, you don't but, know, you don't know the peak without the Valley. kind of Right. Thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas yeah. as Protestants don't have necessarily that, even, even from the psychological point of view, like if you get a psychologist that looks at it, Catholics have that, great endorphin release after confession because they know for a fact, Hey, these sins have been written off and I don't have to worry about them. I'm clean. I got a clean soul. Whereas Protestants, they don't have somebody to look them in the eye and say, your sins are forgiven. Generally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a, that's a big thing that, so I think because we have that peak, we know the Valley really, really well. And we know the Valley. We know the peak. Uh, Yeah. Right. Most of us, go too long between confessions so that Catholic guilt stacks and weighs in on us. So that's definitely where the, the Catholic guilt kind of comes in on us. Okay. So, yeah, so that, that's what I say is the weight of sins that we haven't confessed yet. Like I frankly threw out a guess there. Like, cause again, it's a lot of, you know, again, what is most of this podcast, if not like me asking questions about things that like I might should know. And like, probably should have been explained to me um but like but largely it was as like we always hear about catholic guilt i mean i love the boondock saints <laughs> in that i'm a white man in my 20s um yeah exactly but like, yeah exactly um but like but like we always hear that phrase but it was like i've never really i got it i guess but like when asked to explain it i really was like oh well i guess it's this so so yeah i'm glad i'm kind of halfway on the money I mean that's that's what I would get. I, I would assume assume as well. Um, yeah, uh, oh, I'm sure there's know, not like cat, cult- I'm, there's not like doctrine being like right. You know, it's John obviously Paul a second thing. was like <laughs> you need to feel bad. Like <laughs> no, and 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 Catholics would say that that guilt too is a good thing because it means you're aware of you know what you've done wrong and what you need to bring um, yeah to Christ because that that's when you get in trouble is whenever you're like. And that wasn't that bad. I'm not going to worry about that too much or, or something like that is where you start stacking sin, but you've started becoming numb to it. Mm-hmm. You know, at the worst case scenario, you're a serial killer that is like, eh, it's not that bad. This person's an awful person. Stab, stab, murder. Yeah. Um, you know, at the at the most of us levels, like it's not that bad that I stole a pack of gum. OK, it's not that bad that I stole a candy bar and Coke and maybe a couple of gallons gas, you know, it, it, it grows on each other. It that stacks. guilt yeah, is yeah. there. God gave us that guilt so that we could feel shame and, and bring it to him so he could forgive it. Cause that's one thing about sin is he's, he can't forgive what you don't have, uh, regret for. Right. You yeah. have to repent for your sins. Yeah. Um, because it's if a you don't whole repent, bit, so like the whole bit is that we have free will, um, right. with the expectation or hope that we use that for good and if we you know and we can't always do that for good but like uh on the times we slip up hey it's all good like 
you got to ask for forgiveness though, because you fucked up, but you misuse that free will, but you still have it. Right. And if you, yeah, no, if you're unrepentant in the literal definition of the word, um, you're a bad person. Like, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And Catholic guilt didn't start like in the 20th century when we started. <laughs> no. And, I mean, St. Paul in his letter says, why do I do the things that I hate? I mean, that is Catholic guilt to the oh, there you you know, go. Perfect. original degree. Is, yeah. Oh, so sick of it. Why do I, I've shamed to get his sins forgiven just like everybody else yeah he wasn't perfect and he was one of the greatest saints among us here we go hey good podcast my guy yeah well uh, i'm excited to come up and see you and uh help you help you get further into it but i mean it is it I, as much i wanted to give the the actual wedding mass part of it because hey here's a reference for anybody who is confused on what's going on um, but also because uh, I know you had those questions and no, nobody prepares you for that. Nobody's like, well, he's obviously going to get married at some point. So let's teach him how all this works yeah. or something like that. And, and But the church makes it super easy. So as long as you call uh, your parish tomorrow and, and get set up, they'll. It, I guarantee you won't be the first person who's like, hey, I'm not signed up, but I want to get married. Yeah. That that every parish has gone through that, and 100%. they'll go, "Are you getting married here? What's what's the deal?" And they'll figure it out because it is a something that we've done publicly for two thousand years, but it's also a very personal thing. You're the only two, only you and your fiance are the only of you two. So <laughs> the pigs. Oh no, I'm not going to be. She's not taking my name. Oh, you're taking her name. I get it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's actually cultural. Join thing. us next time for the oh, pious, do the Johnson and the podcast. Yeah, no, God. Uh, no, that's actually a cultural thing, um, specifically in Greece. Like, if you are a woman with a professional degree, you do not take your husband's name because you have, like, you've earned that without him. Like, it's it's a whole thing. And, uh, yeah, so mm -hmm. she she will not be taking my name. But, I mean far as i'm concerned the kids are gonna have it so yeah it's all good yeah and don't, don't yeah, we will have the piglets her like, her, la her last name's not johnson it's in greek i can't pronounce it anyway oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right well that was fun uh y'all will uh sorry for the late deal with uh with the korean family in town um i have not been able to think to myself half whatever for the last three yeah, weeks as you can and, tell uh, he can't form a single sentence exactly so i'm going on vacation next week and uh we'll probably record one more time then maybe we'll record when we're together up in up in your undisclosed bunker oh that'd be fun oh my gosh <laughs> the first in-person podcast but uh in the meantime of course reach out to us at piouspig at gmail.com yeah. you probably won't because no one has but uh but if not, <laughs> text us. Like, your your immediate family members have. <laughs> yeah. If not, text us because y'all probably have our numbers. Hey, and, Mama uh, Pig. Yeah. Hey. Hey, hey Sister Ma. Pig. How you doing? Uh, but yeah. So I uh, promise I'll read your emails and I I do incorporate it into the podcast. I just haven't actually responded to the emails. Exactly. So, but, so uh, keep keep them coming. <laughs> until next time, Chief. Peace. <laughs>